So let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to read and to read or to hear your word, the scriptures that you revealed to us so that we wouldn't be groping in the dark about all the questions of who and what we are and who you are. Help us, God to drink deeply from the well of your word. Thank you to continue to learn. In Jesus' name, amen. So I have an opportunity to give a couple of minutes to Lene, and she um, just wants to share a little bit about uh, words about a worm and what lessons from a worm. Yes, it was Friday morning, and it was really heavy fog, and here is a nightcrawler creeping across the rocks, and he soon he couldn't go anymore. He was completely covered with little tiny sand pebbles. He was wiggling and wiggling, and he was just burdened down with this sand all about him. And I took him and put him over, and first of all, though, I had to walk by this worm. I didn't really touch well, I don't want to touch this worm today. So I stepped over him and thought, well, good luck, buddy. You just, just get over there in that grass. You're not just too far from it now, so you might make it. But gee, that bothered me. I walked back and I picked that little worm up, or he was a pretty good sized worm. And I put him over in the grass and I washed him for a little bit. And piece at a time, all these little rocks came off of him from this water and this heavy, from the heavy dew we had the night before. And pretty soon he just disappeared into his natural habitat. And, and it just was such a profound lesson for me this week. Through our life, there's so many things that just weighed us down. And pretty soon we're on this dry ground no longer being able to barely move. He might have made it, but he might not have. But the biggest lesson here even was for me is that when he got into this moisture in this water, this living water, that there was Jesus in my mind, that all our help comes from him and we're so released from this burden that just has completely made us still. But the other thing that really came to me was when I was recovering from this last accident, the feeling of our church family, and I felt like there was many that called and helped me in this hard time because things were really dark. I felt like that worm. I couldn't go anymore. But then there was the call from this one. Can I get out, come out and give you a lift? Cutting wood, cleaning my house, making a meal, processing my vegetables. And I'm so grateful for this church family. And I think about how many times I have stepped over somebody that needed help. And I just walked on by and I just pray that I'll never be that person, that I will always help them to see Jesus.
Let's go home. <laughs> I mean, that's the gospel. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for sending worms across our path. So last week we talked about the fact that uh, we have this treasure in jars of clay. And so I hope you learned a response. Um, my, my wife is on the way to the hospital, but my son is in difficult trouble, but my neighbor has cancer, but my parents are aging, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is not from us, but from God. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not in despair. Struck down, but not overwhelmed. And so, if you would open your Bibles to First Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter 4, I want to continue unpacking this powerful section of Scripture. There are many, many reasons for deep discouragement. Many reasons to lose heart. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. We're tempted to lose heart for lots of different reasons. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. Chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we renounce secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age... Talking about Satan, the devil, same person, the God of this age, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is not from us, but from God. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not struck down, abandoned, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our mortal body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. So I had the privilege this last week, a couple times actually, to go back and uh, visit Charles. And so I asked Charles this last time, I said, Charles, I'm going to preach tomorrow, and I need to know if I have permission from you to just tell a little bit of your story. 
And so I only know a little bit of the story, but I'll tell you what I know, and then I'll find some more out over the next couple of weeks. But uh, Charles was living in Silver Bay, and it was on this particular day. He was with his brother. He's waiting for his brother to come pick him up, and they're going to go out to dinner together, have a marvelous time. Out to dinner, enjoying fellowship with one another. And the next thing he knows, he wakes up in the hospital. I'm not sure how long after whatever took place, a stroke. They're still trying to figure out all the details of what took place. But he now is in, he set a record for being in the ICU at St. Jude's Hospital in Duluth. Six months in ICU. He has a trach. He's hooked up to different machines. And um, as he talks with you, he's got to constantly use the, the suction machine to suck out his lungs that are always he's coughing up stuff. And yet, the three times that I was with him, um, Lester and I went up there to lead the service the first time we met him, and he's sitting over here in a chair, and he's preaching at me. When I would, I had mentioned something about the treasure in jars of clay, and I mentioned something about Jesus, and he says, more than you know, Pastor. And so I had to go back and see him, because, I mean, it's one thing for me, it's one thing for me to stand here in perfect health, okay? I'm not, maybe not so perfect, but I'm just saying, I'm, I'm pretty healthy for being an old guy, all right? If you want to try it, come on up here. But, uh, I'm pretty healthy for being an old guy, but I'm just saying I was looking at him even yesterday again because that's why I went back there. I'm saying I have to see this because it's one thing and, and uh, to be in somewhat health and strength and still be able to carry one sentence after another sentence and make sense out of them, to be able to see, to have hands and feet and eyes, and to, to say that God is good. Or to say that God is the answer. To say that we have this treasure in jars of clay. It's a whole other thing for this man or any person who is, their body's racked with pain. Their life has fallen apart around them. And for them to say, we have this treasure in jars of clay. And to, to give testimony to the goodness and the strength and the power of God. And so, as we go back to this section, I just want to take some time this morning and try to uh, shed a little bit more light on what Paul is saying as he's pointing out that we have this treasure in jars of clay. And so, this body of ours, if you don't know it yet, maybe you're on the front edge of uh, that hill that sometimes comes Sometimes it comes early on because there are things called the onslaught of, uh, um, I can't remember the term right now, but kids can get diabetes, kids can get arthritis. I know one particular lady who's had 37 joints in her body replaced by the time she was 18. Okay? And so this body of ours is falling apart. And to make that clear and to let God's power seen, be seen, and that it's not our own power. He decided himself that he would come and live in jars of clay. So we, we have this treasure, and the treasure is Christ. The treasure is the gospel. I'll, I'll share a little bit more about that when I'm learning about this treasure in jars of clay. 
so that we move forward and we understand that we move forward by His Spirit and His power. We live by faith. We make any progress at all against the crushing weight of the effects of the fall and the despairing persecution in the world. Do you, I don't know how much history you've studied, but do you know what people have done to other people throughout history? It's a crushing weight to see. And some of you, even if you've been picked on in any way, shape, or form, you have a small, small idea of what it might be like to suffer. So we have this treasure in jars of clay. We have this treasure of jars of clay to point to God and not to us. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, it says in Luke chapter 12. Matthew chapter 6 says this, Do not store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, or thieves break in and steal, but store up treasures in heaven. And so the treasure that we have in jars of clay is that treasure. It's eternal things. It's Christ. The heart is a reservoir from which flows and from which life operates. What fills our hearts is what going to flow out of our hearts. So we have this treasure. We do not lose heart. We have this treasure and we do not lose heart because the treasure we have is eternal. It's powerful. It's everlasting. And so the good man out of the good treasure in his heart, brings forth what is good. The evil man, out of the evil treasure in his heart, brings forth what is evil. Scripture says we have this treasure in jars of clay. He's talking about our physical bodies and that through faith, in the basic fundamental meaning, he's just saying that through faith in Christ, Jesus said, that as we put our faith in him, that he would come and dwell in us and live among us and have in, in him we live and move and have our being through faith in Christ. That's in this physical body. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field where a man found that treasure, buried it again, went and sold everything he had and bought the field. So the treasure is in jars of clay. It says in Colossians chapter 3, Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In chapter 11 of Hebrews, it says, Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than all the treasures of Egypt. And the, the ordinariness and the weakness and the susceptibility of our bodies that we live in it's here to remind us. It's he who is in us by grace that matters, not the clay pot. These frail bodies are not the treasure. And sometimes we get confused and we think they're the treasure. So in the nursing home these last couple of weeks, especially for some reason in comparison with the, with this treasure, so it, um, I would pray and hope that you find this experience where you go to, you go to meet the needs of someone and their needs are not physical. They don't need a cup of water. They don't need some food. Their soul is shrinking 
and they need some spiritual enrichment. And you come to them and you realize, I'm bankrupt. I can cut your wood. I can paint your house. You might not be happy with the outcome, but I can still try. But for me to add nourishment to another human being's soul, that's where only God does that. And God uses us as vessels, but that's the whole point. We're clay pots, and the treasure is Jesus, and he's in us, and he wants to work in us and through us to bless other people. But when you're in that place, and you so long to be an encouragement to somebody, and you realize, I have nothing in and of myself to offer them that is outside the normal um, base needs of a human being. Food, water, and a little rest. I could help them get some food. I could help them get some water. I could help them get a little rest. But to nourish their soul, that's Jesus. And so we have this treasure in jars of clay. Famous preacher from years ago, Richard Baxter, was asked when he was on his deathbed, someone who is very impressed with his, his vast ministry, writing books, preaching. They asked him, so how do you explain the accomplishment and the successes in your life? And so Richard said, I was but a pen in the hands of God, and what praise is due to a pen. A beautiful instrument makes no music without the musician. God is the musician. We're the tool. We're the instrument. We're the pen. Jim, Jim Elliott, the missionary to South American Indian tribes, he described him and his co-workers as a bunch of nobodies trying to exalt somebody. Francis of Assisi, asked when he was asked, how do you accomplish so much in your life? He said, well, this may be why. The Lord looked down and he said, where can I find the weakest, littlest man on earth? Then he saw me and he said, I found him and he won't be proud of it. He'll see that I'm the only using him because I see his insignificance. And he understands his own insignificance. John Piper, he said, Wonder of wonders, we were given the gospel treasure in jars of clay. Boy, I hope it grips you this week. And even as last week, we introduced the idea, treasures in jars of clay. That you are that clay jar. And through faith in Christ, you have this treasure. Martin Luther I simply taught, preached, wrote God's Word. Otherwise, I did nothing. The Word did it all. Isaiah 64, Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hand. Romans 9, Shall what is formed say to him who formed it, Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some clay for noble purposes, other for common purposes. Pitiful, paltry vessels possessing a priceless proclamation. That's what we are. We preach Christ crucified and ourselves as servants. John the Baptist, 
treasures in jars of clay. John the Baptist said, he must become greater, I must become less. Oswald Chambers said, God alone can achieve his purposes either through the absence of human power and resources or the abandonment of reliance on them. All through history, God has chosen to use nobodies because their unusual dependence on him made possible the unique display of his power and his grace. He chose to use somebodies only when they renounced self-reliance, self-dependence on their natural abilities. End quote. In other words, in order to help some people in your life and in my life, in order for God to help them people, he has to get us out of the way. He has to bring us to a place where we're not relying on ourselves, but on him. And then in him, and through him, and through his strength, he'll use us and work through us. We could occupy ourselves with pointing to him and keeping ourselves just at his feet. And it says we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is not from us. And this word all-surpassing power, it's especially used in achieving power. And so as I understand that, I just go, okay, God, let's go to the nursing home. Let's go back to Charles. Let's go see Charles tomorrow. He doesn't need my help to get him food. He has the nursing staff for that. He doesn't need my help to get him shelter. He has the building. But could he get a glimpse of the treasure? And he already has that treasure in himself as he proclaims clearly his love for God, his devotion to God. But the power, this surpassing power, look at the next verses. So if you hadn't opened your Bibles already, look at the verses after verse 7. It says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is not for us. And look what it says, we're hard-pressed on every side. And some of you have had the privilege, the privilege to be hard-pressed. Some of you would read that and you're going, I have no idea what it means to be hard-pressed. All you need to do is live a little longer. The blessing of being hard-pressed will come your way especially if you seek to grow at all. If you seek to be any value of, to other people other than yourself, you will be hard-pressed. Either that will be self brought on by self, where you seek to put yourself down so that Christ may be raised up, or God in his grace will work with you and bring you to a place where, you know what, I'm just done trying to figure this out myself, trying to do this myself. And so it says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed. What a privilege to be perplexed. Ever been perplexed? You just cannot move. You cannot function. You, you just tried something, and you tried something, and you tried something, and it didn't work. You just end up perplexed. Well, that's the privilege of having treasure in jars of clay, because that's when God steps in, and the all-surpassing power is from him. And we recognize that, or we began to recognize it. It goes on in that sentence and it says, But not in despair, 
hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair. And the word despair is a profound word of just absolutely giving up. You might have thought that you've given up a time or two, but until you struggle even to get out of bed in the morning, you're still doing okay. And you should thank God for that. But to despair is to give up all hope. But not in despair. Persecuted but not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. So the ability to move forward in the face of opposition. Many people do that every day. I want you to realize that. And you do realize it. Many people move forward in the face of opposition every day. But... God might not be recognized in the doing so. God is recognized not in the person, but he's seen as the source of strength. Not in the individual, that, but because this is a stark contrast. He's saying, we have treasures in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power, our wherewithal from going forward, doesn't come from our own strength. It comes from God. Believer or non-believer, if you make it through the day and you live to another day, God is the giver of life. He's the giver of everything. The unbeliever just does not recognize the source of the breath that he breathes. Right? God doesn't just give life to a believer and no life to an unbeliever. They both have life. The believer begins to acknowledge that God's the giver of life. And God moves in and he makes his home with that person. That person who's willing to acknowledge God, to cooperate with God, to submit to God. So recognizing that uh, we move forward each day by His grace is recognizing that we have this treasure in jars of clay. We have this treasure in jars of clay. If we don't see the work of God, if we don't see the hand of God, that's the accomplishment of the blinder of the brethren. It says the God of this world blinds the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the glory of God in the face of Christ. It's not that God isn't at work. God's at work everywhere. Scripture testifies to that. When we don't see it in our own life and we don't see it in the lives of other people, it's because we're blinded by ignorance, we're blinded by pride, and the Bible says it's not always that God is always at work. And there's a multitude of reasons people don't see God at work. And even Christians, when we don't see God at work, it's pride, it's arrogance, it's self-centeredness, it's the cloud of sin, it's hard-heartedness, it's faithlessness. I mean, two people, you've been one of those people. Two people can look at the same set of circumstances the same set of even historical facts. You can read through them. One will see the hand of God. The other will see luck, chance, and random evolution. One sees God's goodness and grace and provision. One sees the natural material processes of time and coin flipping. One sees God's wisdom. Another sees man's ingenuity. They're not so far apart as some might think. God's wisdom and man's ingenuity. Because where does man's ingenuity come from? It comes from the grace of God. Some just do not praise him for it. Some do not acknowledge him for it. 
But when Paul says we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is not from us but from God, your next breath is evidence that God is alive. Your next thought, that you can put two thoughts together, that you can walk, that you can see, God made those things. One sees God's wisdom and other sees man's ingenuity. And God is the giver of everything. He's the author of life. He alone knows all the reasons we must recognize Him. But when we don't recognize Him, it's to our own peril. Paul told the Corinthians in his first letter, he said this, he said, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with elegance or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. I resolved to know nothing among you except Christ and Him crucified. I came in weakness, in fear, and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. And so when our faith rests on men's wisdom, men's ingenuity, our own strength and our own resources, we fail to see just how sad that is, just how pitiful it is, just how weak it is. Because if we're relying on ourselves, we fail to see the treasure. We fail to see Him. We should pity one another if our faith rests on ourselves. We should pity one another if our faith rests in man's ingenuity. But it doesn't press on to the source of all things. Him who is the treasure. So it says, I'm skipping down now to verse 16. It says, therefore we do not lose heart. And we don't lose heart because we have this treasure, even those many reasons to be discouraged. If and when we're going through the stress and strain of life and we're not losing heart, or if, we, I mean, we're going through the stress and strain of life and we are losing heart, I want you to know there's no shame in that. That's a privileged position to go through stress and strain and begin to lose heart. Because then you can realize, I must have got my eyes off the treasure. I must have got my eyes on the circumstances. It simply means we need to get our dependence and our focus back on God. You certainly cannot take pride in how well you handle the troubles that crush everyone else. Walk around saying, you know what? I'm a big man. I handled all this stuff. That's just plain arrogance and ignorance as if you're the source of your own strength. Plainly, the whole point of this passage, the whole point of being recognized that we live in a tent and that we groan and that we have this treasure, the whole point of it is to show the drastic contrast between self-dependence and God-dependence. Something that each one of us is trying to learn and understand on a daily basis. How is it that I, who am somewhat capable of thinking, somewhat capable of moving forward, somewhat capable of even controlling my bodily functions, how do I learn that everything I have has come from my Creator? 
and that I have this treasure in jars of clay. So I don't get too much thinking about how great I am, but how great He is. It says in this passage, Therefore, since outwardly we are wasting away, so I'm reading from verse 16. We do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. So you have to realize there might be reasons right now where you have a very good reason to lose heart. That's why he would say we might lose heart, but we don't lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. Outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed. I get the wasting away part. I see it all around us. I see it in the world. I see it in Charles. I see it in in even the greatest athletes. I see it all around. It takes no faith. It takes no effort. It takes no focus to waste away. You realize that? It's the day-by-day renewal. I hope you see that in the passage. Look at what it says. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Don't you want to know that? I want to know that. I want to know that power. I want to know that person. That even though outwardly I'm being wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. So that when I understand that and see that, these light and momentary trials. Is Paul being superficial with your cancer? Is Paul being superficial with the death of your friends? When he says these light and momentary trials, no way. He's seeing the contrast between the temporary and the eternal. Therefore, since outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. These light and momentary trials are achieving for us an eternal glory. It far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, because what is seen is temporary. What is eternal is what never fades away. And so in this whole idea, it's a, it's a marvelous m- mystery of God putting the treasure of His gospel the treasure of his person, his spirit in jars of clay, so that the not the clay jar, but the treasure inside could be on display. And then he says, We're always carrying around in our body, in this treasure in this in this vessel of clay, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be seen. Things that work work because that's how God designed them. Your eyes, your ears, your nose, your mouth, your stomach, your lungs, your heart, and the mind, they work because that's the way God created them to work. We didn't accomplish that. Faith works too. Hope works. Prayer works. Scripture works. Love works. Forgiveness works. Trust works. Fellowship works. We didn't accomplish that. That's all God's work. If we're relying on ourselves rather than on God as our source, we will indeed hurry on wasting away. But through God and His grace, the inner man, the spiritual man, is being renewed day by day. Day by day. 
But be beware of the disguise of self-pity. It often comes attempted to be clothed in humility. We don't need to put ourselves down or beat ourselves up, so to speak. But as we fix our eyes on Jesus, we'll find ourselves properly positioned to handle what comes our way. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, recognizing that we have this treasure in jars of clay. And we have the treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power by which we make it through the day, more than make it through the day, but praise His name, is the power that we have. It's the living testimony of the presence of God, the glory of God, the power of His life in us, faith in us, the knowledge of Him. It's all from Him. So, just to wrap it up, we have a treasure who is Jesus, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Gospel. I made a list of about 53 things, and I'm sure I'm short on many of them, of just what this might be when it says we have this treasure. Certainly, certainly, it's the person and work of the Holy Spirit. But that means the Father who created us, Jesus Christ who saved us, it's the Word, it's our testimony, it's forgiveness, it's reconciliation, it's prayer, it's fellowship, it's justification, it's faith, it's hope, it's love, it's the fruit of the Spirit, it's resurrection power, it's eternal life, it's the gospel of the kingdom, it's grace, God's mercy, God's promises, sanctification of the Holy Spirit, it's adoption as sons, it's God shining His light in our hearts, it's fixing our eyes on what is unseen rather than what is seen. It's the good news. It's redemption. It's the Lord's glory. It's the kingdom. It's the glorious inheritance. It's all of that. It's all of that. We have this treasure in jars of clay. And as jars of clay, we, we live between two realities. One is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the other reality is our death and our resurrection. Jesus Christ is our resurrection. And it's in that order. Death comes first, then comes the resurrection. What's going on inside of us is far, far more important than what's going on around us. What's going on inside of us is the renewing work of the Holy Spirit as He shines the light of God through the face of Christ in our lives and through our lives. So we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. As the worship team comes up here to close, let me just pray. Father, thank You for... Thank you for your gift of life. And help each of us, God, Lord, with every breath we take, help us to gain more of an understanding of appreciation for what you've done by making a human being. And we are human beings. and You created us. We didn't design ourselves. We don't keep our minds thinking, our hearts beating. We can act on what you've given us. Help us not take for granted. Help us grow in our understanding of what it means to have this treasure in jars of clay so that we would point to you and the, 
the jar, the container, this tent would be of less importance all the time and that you would be of more importance all the time so that can be, people can see Jesus in us, that we can get out of your way, God, and let your light shine in and through us. You are certainly worthy of our worship. You are the giver of life. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's stand.